Okay, uh, I think that's it. I think we're live. <laughs> so this is Hypothesis. Uh, this is a show where the two of us talk about things that we think are cool in science, basically. <laughs> so uh, my name is Killian, and I study immunology. I'm Amadine. I study genetics. Um, and today we're going to talk all about sex, but as in like sex chromosomes and genes associated with sex and sex differences. Get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be talking about sex, not sexual reproduction. And just keep in mind that sex is different from gender. That is something completely different that we are not going to touch on right now. Um, but yeah, so we're going to focus on sex as something that kind of defines whether you have male or female characteristics biologically speaking so whether that be physical or physiological and yeah so there are actually so many different ways that something can become male or female and I don't know if this is true or not but I'm gonna guess like I'm not too sure I didn't look into it probably should have that you're either going to be male or female if you're an organism that is sexually reproducing I'm pretty sure that yeah, asexual organisms are not male or female, like a bacteria. That's yeah. just, yeah, it's asexual. It's not male or female. But being male or female, it's just, it's actually mad. There's so many different ways that you can be assigned a sex. So you can have these things called simultaneous hermaphrodites. So this is where you are the same sex at the same time. So you're both male and female at the same time. Mm. The kind of most, I suppose, known example of this is flowers. If people did junior search or maybe leaving search biology, you know, the cross section of the flower where you have the pollen and then it goes onto the stigma style ovary. That's all male and female sex organs in the one organism. Um, and then probably a less known example is the slug. <laughs> so they're both male and female at the same time. So when they find a mate, each mate inseminates the other. I mean, you said we said we weren't going to talk about sex, but that's very quick. <laughs> yeah, but just change. so you know that they are. That was just a fun fact that I think people should know. And I also think it's a fun fact because you said beforehand that they circle each other first. And I just thought that was cool as well. <laughs> they do. They circle but each other. Again, I think. Going I think, off of the tangent. I don't already. know. I don't. I mean, I don't spend my time watching slugs have sex. But anyways, um, you can also have sequential hermaphrodites. So this is where you are born one sex and over your lifetime you change to another. Uh, so an example of this would be the cyanfish, finding Nemo fish. Mm. Uh, they begin as males and turn into females um, over their lifetime. And I'm pretty sure that they're all born males and they only one becomes a female. I think it's the biggest male becomes a female mm. when the female dies. Oh, I have heard that before because I heard someone talk about finding Nemo being like... Marilyn, will they just turn into a female? And yeah, just like, yeah, I'm exactly. your mother now. Yeah, so that probably, yeah, is more accurate, but probably doesn't make for as good a story. Then you can have environmental determinants of mm. sex, such as temperature. So this mm. is seen in like turtles and crocodiles. And for turtles, it's based on the temperature that the egg is incubated at. Mm. So if it's a low temperature, turtles turn out to be male. And if it's mm. at a high temperature, they're female, which is mm. kind of interesting because yeah. you don't think of that. Yeah, um, can you imagine like in, in humans, it's like, I want to have a girl, I'm going to Spain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in humans, I'm sure most people know that it's sex chromosomes that determine whether mm. you're male or female. So males are XY and females are XX. And this kind of sciencey term, it's called male heterogamete because the male is the one that's XY as opposed to having two of the same. Because mm. in other organisms, you can have two of the same are actually male. So they use the terminology ZW, ZZ. 
So, for example, in chickens, <laughs> the females are ZW and the males are ZZ. And that's called female heterogamity. So, okay. yeah, it's not always the same. And you can also have stuff, uh, this one called haplodiploidy. So that's seen in like bees, wasps and ants where when the egg and sperm come together, you get a female. But when the egg is just left on its own, you become a male. So mm. they actually have half the amount. I think they have half the amount of chromosomes as mm. the females. So it's just kind of mad how... Yeah. I suppose for bees, it kind of makes sense. Cause the queen bee is sort of this massive, yeah. you know, thing. And the male bee is like a... It's We're just sort of there for bottom of the yeah bottom of the food chain kind of thing. So I guess it makes sense only it's half the amount of genetic data. Yeah. So even though we were saying that being XY makes you male in human terms and being XX is what makes you female, there's still it's just not always clear cut like that. Sometimes mm. you can have a bit of a mix up when you know you're being assigned a sex. And so you have different syndromes. One of them is triple X. So that's mm. where you have three X chromosomes instead of being two XX, having the two Xs. And so it's a trisomy of X. And people might know trisomies from trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome where you have three 21s. So this is the, kind of the same idea, but with three Xs. Mm. Um, and these individuals are f female because they don't have a Y chromosome. Mm. So if you have just Xs, you're female. Yeah. Um, and they're actually fertile, which is kind of interesting because you wouldn't think that having three X's you would be, but they are. And there's not that many symptoms. You yeah. can be taller, maybe, and um, sometimes learning difficulties, maybe suffer from seizures or kidney problems, but generally not too bad. Mm. Um, and it's caused basically by a problem. Well, and something goes wrong during meiosis, which is when the egg is being made. So mm. there's like a cell division issue, or it could actually happen during development. So you can have a female that all her X, all her cells are triple X. So that would have happened probably during, you know, making the egg or, yeah, making the egg or the sperm. Yeah. Um, or you can have a mosaic where some of your cells are actually XX, but some of them are triple X. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. probably, I'm assuming happens during development. Yeah. I guess I probably could have looked yeah. into it, but I'm pretty sure it, to me, it makes sense that that would have happened yeah. during development. And so in that way, it's not really inherited from like... Yeah, it could be know. like developed sort of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think it's worth mentioning what you said before, which is when you were Googling this, <laughs> you just Googled triple X and uh, no. yeah, <laughs> incorrect Google results. But yeah. then, th th then you fixed your search. Yeah, tri triple X syndrome, guys. That's, that's what you're looking for <laughs> if you want to look this up. Um, then you can have Kleinfelter syndrome. So you have your two X's and a Y. So having a Y... It doesn't matter how many X's you have, you are male, as in you develop male gonads, male sex organs, mm. because the sex determining locus, and, or locus, however you want to pronounce locus. it. Locus. Uh, <laughs> so the S or Y locus, I'm going to say. Um, it's just an area on the male chromosome, well, on the Y chromosome, that basically is like an area of genes, or it can, a locus can just be one gene, but in this case, you know, it's the S or Y locus is what makes you male. And so if an individual has a Y, they're male. So XXY, he's male. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, these individuals though are not fertile. And the thing mm. is, they actually also don't have that many symptoms. So lots of individuals go about their life never really knowing until maybe they're trying to have kids and they realize there's right. an issue going on there. They get tested. Um, 
you can do this thing it's called karyotyping it's like taking a picture of your chromosomes i don't know if you've ever seen a picture of like 1 to 23 and then your x yeah. and your y well that's like a karyotype um so yeah they are basically okay small minor symptoms um but yeah like i said they really don't notice um unless yeah they have infertility issues um and there is an increased risk of having Klinefelter syndrome the older the mother is but um it can actually come from the mother or the father so it kind of mm. just depends and then you can have xx no xyy syndrome which oh. again you're male because you have a y yeah um, and they also have very little symptoms and i'd just like to point out that it's so strange that they all have such few symptoms because usually when you have an extra chromosome there's like usually major major issues um like most trice like trisomies for example most of them don't even manifest because if you have it you don't even develop into a, a baby at all yeah. like the fetus yeah. doesn't even happen so the fact that this can happen is is pretty crazy yeah but... and and actually like so we always talked about you know before like after lectures and stuff how it was interesting that like when females have two X chromosomes, it's like one of them switched off and it's like, how do we know which one and this whole thing, which is still something we don't fully no, know. No, I don't. Or at least the two it. of us don't fully know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but then I think that's weird then that there's X, Y, Y. And then does that mean, does one of the Ys get turned off or did they? No. no. So I was trying to think about that. I don't think one of the Ys get turned off. But what? So it just gets double the expression. Yeah. So, so. what I was kind of thinking about is that the Y chromosome actually isn't that big. Yeah. And it's pretty it's, tiny compared to the X yeah, chromosome. It makes men look pretty pathetic. <laughs> It's much smaller, so it's actually missing a lot of genes. So yeah. I was thinking about this because I was like, I don't understand it. And I'm thinking maybe, this is just me guessing, that because there's so few like genes on the on the Y chromosome, that it might not even matter that there's two mm. because it's, it's there wouldn't even be a dosage anyway, yeah. problem because nothing you're not even getting any protein from, from the chromosome in the first place. Yeah. And we were actually doing lectures recently about evolution and it kind of looks like the y chromosome is on its way out and that there might not even be a y chromosome very far down the line uh, if the male um determining locus gets put onto another chromosome the right. y chromosome could just degenerate completely so but how would that work if it went onto another chromosome would that just get rid of sexes or no no it wouldn't it would just mean that it's determined by a different chromosome. Yeah, it's, it's not on, going to be the Y chromosome. It's going to be yeah. on chromosome 20 or whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know it, that. It just happens. Yeah, it just happens. Evolution is a funny thing. <laughs> we might touch on um, another time. Yeah. Because it's just... Big topic. Yes, it's a big topic. Pretty wild. But the XYY syndrome uh, individuals are fertile as well. Mm. So they're just a little bit taller than average and they might have an increased risk of learning... Uh, difficulties but not really most of them just aren't diagnosed so we don't really know what the prevalence of the syndrome is because most people don't even know they have it so yeah kind of kind of crazy to be honest yeah but um yeah and again it just happens randomly um like a random event during sperm development so it's not really passed on mm. it's not inherited exactly but it, it does come from the sperm so, right yeah 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 kind of all the syndromes when it comes to that <laughs> yeah so then when you're talking about that um sry locus or locus yes sort of male determining region of the chromosome yeah um so i was doing a bit of reading on that um and so essentially that region of the chromosome as you said 
encodes the male gonads, which then leads to the formation of some male characteristics like male hormones. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is a lot of sex differences, we don't really know what the exact cause is biologically. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to just, and for a long time that's what was done, just blame the hormones. It's always testosterone, it's always estrogen. I always blame the hormones. Yeah. <laughs> um, for all my mood swings. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, hormones are sort of used to explain everything, but really we don't know that's true. There could be something else on the Y chromosome or the X chromosome mm -hmm. that's leading to certain characteristics. So there's actually a really interesting project going on in MIT, and they're doing a collaboration with Trinity and I think maybe some other universities where they're essentially trying to make hormone-free mice. Okay. So they're trying to uh, determine, are these sex differences that we observe in so many things in biology, from like why heart attacks are different, why the immune system responds differently to different things, mm -hmm. why women suffer from maybe autoimmune diseases more than men. Yeah. How much of that is determined by hormones and how much of that is determined by what other genes are on the X and Y chromosomes? Mm -hmm. Um, so if, if you had these hormone-free mice, you should be able to sort of rule out, is hormones the problem or is it one of the other things? And how do they make the hormone-free mice? So the hormone-free mice, um, so they have male and female hormone-free mice. Okay. So the male ones, uh, so they have XY, yeah. uh, obviously, because they have to be male, Yeah. but they knock out the SRY uh, region. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you can do this when you're doing genetic modification. You essentially knock out a region so that is not expressed anymore. Yeah. Uh, so in every other way except for the development of um, you know, male gonads and hormones, it, they're going to be male. Would it produce female hormones then? Because the X is still activated? That's a good question. I'm actually... Uh, I, I don't... I, I think... In, I'm not sure how they actually knock out the specific hormones then. Because then, yeah. yeah, then it should maybe... Uh, female hormones but I think no but I think because it's still XY I think there's some sort of hormone issue there where the hormones don't end up getting expressed at least not to the same extent yeah so you should be able to get an indication but that's actually a good question I don't know how they knock out then yeah. it just turning into female in some way but then it wouldn't really be a full female either because it's still yeah, XY. XY yeah yeah um but then for the female uh knockouts what they do is they actually put S SRY onto one of the X chromosomes. Okay. So they actually insert SRY where females normally don't have any yeah. SRY. Um, so that's going to mean that the two X chromosomes will do what they normally do, except they will also be expressing SRY, so they'll have testosterone and that kind of thing. So yeah. it, it, is, it is a strange one. So uh, they'll be producing male and female hormones. Yeah, as I'm, opposed I, to I, being hormones. Yeah, I, again, I, I'm, I'm not sure how that works, but I, I think... Um, I think it was it, the idea is rather than sort of hormone free it's like let's see what would happen if, if females produce male yeah, hormones yeah. and males produce female hormones I think kind maybe that's what it, it is out of, yeah taking yeah. hormones out of the picture sort of thing yeah because then you can see is are, are let's say the males that are expressing female hormones are they suffering from the diseases that females typically suffer from yeah or are they suffering from the diseases males suffering from or something completely different mm -hmm. is it something unknown um, so yeah, that's that's being used or will be used in the future uh, to figure out what 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 problems and other just characteristics are caused either by hormones or by something else. Because again, it was just the the classic biology thing where if there's something different in males, it's hormones, or in females, it's hormones. Um, yeah, it might not necessarily be true. Um, like one thing that struck me a while ago was hearing that even heart attacks are very different 
in men and women. Did you know this? No, I didn't yeah, know this. Yeah, that essentially all the like heart attack symptoms that people would have been taught for years in like CPR and even just in biology in general. Yeah. You know, it's this whole like you're clutching your heart, you're like really having yeah. a chest pain. But that's the male heart attack. The female heart attack is actually very different. No way. And yeah, I remember hearing this and thinking, I better fact check that before I start with this. <laughs> so I did Google it earlier. And yes, they are different. Uh, I think there was a TED talk on it. And there was also uh, the Irish Heart Foundation had a, f- had a few paragraphs on it. And essentially, uh, women's heart attack symptoms are a lot more vague, um, which is annoying. Um, so essentially, there's like some nausea. Okay. Um, just sort of general pain, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So you actually just feel generally sick. Yeah. Um, so it's much harder to diagnose a woman's heart attack than a man's. Um, so even that, you know, the, the sort of focus in medicine for so long on men as, yeah. you know, the sort of standard sex, because I think it's just sort of assumed that estrogen was this crazy hormone that was making these weird things happen that they don't want to deal with. So let's just focus on men and most of it would be applicable to women. Fair now enough. we know, of course, <laughs> yeah. Now we know, of course, that that's wrong um, and that a lot of these differences like will actually make a big impact on healthcare. Like even people knowing that a heart attack is different, yeah. um, you know, could save people's lives. Yeah, no. So, um, yeah, so those kind of studies that will determine, uh, you know, male versus female, all that sort of thing, might actually be really beneficial in, you know, in terms of our own healthcare and just biology knowledge in general. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so when you were talking about the S or Y there being, you know, the male determining region, let's say, of the chromosome, um, it's sometimes you can have different genes, obviously genetics, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about genes, but you can have different genes that are linked to it, which will make those genes sort of more male specific we'll say and you can have these things another big word sorry is sexually antagonistic loci (laughs) or loci and antagonistic just means it's kind of bad or like goes against it so in this case sexually it just means that this gene will be good for one sex and bad for another Mm. Um, and so a really cool example of this is uh, in the guppy it's a tropical fish if you want to google a photo at home (laughs) follow along (laughs) and the male guppy is really brightly colored uh, very flamboyant kind of seen a lot actually in nature where the male is really shiny and pretty and the female is kind of dull and gray kind of same here Mm. like a peacock you know you have the Mm. nice fancy feathers and then the female is just like gray in a corner (laughs) but that's because the females choose which male they're going to mate with Mm. and so females need to be pretty selective it's an evolution thing i don't know if we'll touch too much on it now but briefly we might have time that yeah it's basically just that um females need to be kind of picky about who they're going to mate with because they are going You're to telling me. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to want to put a lot of energy and resources into producing, you know, really good offspring that are going to survive and reproduce to pass on their genes. That's the aim. The aim in nature is pass your genes on. And so for males, they kind of want to just mate with as many females as possible because for them they just need to get their genes out there and yeah. the only way they can do that is just by mating with a bunch of females yeah because that that really like made me think the first time we were sort of taught that in biology that it was like this whole difference in the amount of effort the male mm. versus the female puts into children like obviously yeah. the female should be the one that's more selective so they have to go through labor yeah. they have to put in all the resources they have to eat more food all of this stuff that puts them at risk 
Whereas the male really just needs to yeah. show up one day, do a thing, <laughs> and then it, it can it can go away. And yeah. even though that might not be the smartest strategy to carry on its genes, if it does it enough, um, it it might it might be enough for the the kids to live on, and then it's fine. Yeah. So that's that's why these sort of selections have evolved. That the females are usually the yeah and it, it's not really all, it's not always the case yeah. but it's like the majority of the time that that is the case um and so you can have genes that will, will end up being male or female specific well, in this case we're going to talk about male specific um and so like i said the colors the mm. the guppies are really colorful if they're male and that's because the coloration gene is actually linked to their um sex determining region um and so the reason that that this is the case is because males want to be like I said nice and colorful so that the females will pay attention to them and the the thing about being colorful though is that you are very open and visible to predators oh um yes and so <laughs> for the males it just so happens that the their reproductive success from being colorful is way more advantageous to them and it, it like completely overrides the fact that they are more visible to predators mm. so for them it's it's advantageous to be colorful because they're gonna more they're more likely to have a mate and even though there is that predation risk it's just yeah. not as bad so the benefit completely outweighs the cost for them yeah that, that's definitely another thing that like sort of blew my mind when we first started the whole thing survival of the fittest doesn't mean what i thought it did first yeah you know? Fitness in evolutionary terms doesn't mean like strongest or like, you know, best at avoiding predation or something like that. It's literally the best at passing on your genes. That yeah. could be from living long. It could be from being able to have lots of kids. It's usually somewhere in between a balance. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, for the guppy, that means it might, get, yeah, it might get eaten quite a bit, but at least it gets to, to mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It gets the attention of the females if they're colorful. Yeah. And then if we think of the females, for them being colorful not worth it doesn't do much i mean for them the males are going to be throwing themselves at them anyways um whether they're colorful or not um and being colorful just means that they are more visible to predators yeah. and um no nobody wants that <laughs> and so for them there's absolutely no benefit really to be yeah. colorful and so they are just dull and gray and they have completely lost the coloration gene because it does nothing for them except get them eaten mm. and so if there was, for example, a female that was colorful, mm. she would probably be eaten. And so that gene wouldn't be passed down yeah, so to that's her why, Yeah. And so okay. that's why none of the females would be colorful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, completely random point, but I just remembered that uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> this is now completely unrelated to the topic. Yes. But just that um, an artist I listen to is called Guppy. <laughs> and, and I just thought it was weird that I found out recently that he is Tony Hawk's son. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Thought that was a cool fact about guppies. Yeah, so guys, and, when you're googling guppies at home, yeah, make sure it's the tropical fish. Yeah, not the artist, the the hyper pop artist, guppy. Yeah, quick quick plug right there. Yeah, shout out guppy. If you're listening to this, I love your music. Keep it up. Um, but yeah, so basically, as I was saying, the the color gene basically. Brief summary, colour gene in the guppies is linked to the male determining region and it actually makes this super gene. So it gets passed on together and so that's why the females will never now, because of after years of evolution, they're now connected, being male, being coloured, is now comes as one big package. And yeah, so it's a, it's a super gene that gets passed on. So 
yeah that's that's basically where i was going with that story <laughs> <laughs> sorry for my story got a little bit off track there no it's fine it had to be said it did <laughs> um so yeah i guess that can bring us to the question of why does any of this happen why do sexes exist why yeah. can't we all just be like clones <laughs> and that's that's a big evolutionary question um that i'm gonna get into it a bit so uh if you look at it in terms of evolution, you, you might think at first, well, being asexual <laughs> is better because you're going to produce twice as much offspring. Because yeah. if you think about it, you're, if you're sexual, if you need to wait you know, for the opposite sex to get involved and half your kids statistically are going to be male, so they're not going to be able to carry children. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're asexual, all your kids are going to be able to carry children just like you did because you're, you're all clones. I think we should define really quickly just what sexual and asexual is, just in case people don't know. That's, I mean, I'm sure point. that they will, but just so you know. Yeah, I suppose it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's quite different from the human context. Yeah, if you're asexual... In um, terms of an organism. Yes, such as bacteria, you pass on 100% of your genes. So all your genes get passed on. So evolutionary speaking, it, it seems like the most logical choice that you would make. And yeah. when we say choice, it's not actually a choice, but it's just the words we use. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you're going to pass on all of your genes and that's good. That's what you want. The aim is to get as many genes down the generations as possible. Yeah. And if you are sexually reproducing, um, you're passing on half because you, well, it's probably going to be around half um, when you do it out because you're going to be mating with one other person. So half from you, half from them. They're, they're, that's sexual reproduction. Yeah. So then you only pass on half your genes. And again, half of them are going to be males who can't carry children. So what's the point? Yeah, Why exactly. can't you just produce clones of yourself like a lot of plants do? Um, you'll have... Yeah, uh, some plants. Yeah, well, I suppose some yeah. plants. Uh, some plants are both as well. Yeah, um, some plants are sexual. Um, like... The ones I was mentioning earlier, like yeah. the simultaneous hermaphrodites. Yeah, when you think of pollen and yeah. all that sort of thing, you think sexual That's plants. sexual. But there are definitely asexual ones. That's yeah. why you can like cut off a piece of a plant and kind of grow it again, I suppose. Yeah, that's it's essentially just... a clone, yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. So, why do sexes exist, again? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's because there is an inherent advantage to sexual reproduction as well. So, even though you're only passing on half your genes... Because you're combining half of them from something else, you could create some sort of new combination that could be better than what came before. Yeah. So your genes, you know, will dominate because you might have a combination that just works so well that, you know, you're, you're beating out all the competition because you're, yeah. you know, best at taking up the food or, um, or whatever it is. Yeah, you know? and I think that it also should be said that that can happen in an asexual organism where they might have this amazing mutation where they can survive, I don't know, extreme heat or something. But there might be another organism that can do something else, like survive extreme colds, but neither of them can do both. Whereas when it comes to sexual reproduction, you can have one that does something that's really cool and another that does something that's really cool. And when you put it together... They can both do the cool thing. The offspring is just doubly as cool yeah (laughs) but whereas with asexual reproduction that would probably take longer because the one yeah it would have to they would both have to come up with the same thing independently yeah exactly um so yeah so then just to mention real quick that mutation happens all the time yeah mutation is usually you know sort of said in a negative context in terms of cancer and that sort of thing but mutation happens all the time so for asexual 
organisms, if you have a mutation, that mutation is going to pass on whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And um, for sexual, um, it might be passed on or it might not. So like, if it's good, you're going to want to hope it's passed on. Yeah. Because um, that's the thing as well. You could have really cool characteristics and be a sexual organism and it might not get passed on. Yeah. Because there's and a 50-50 chance lost. that, you know, yeah. it, it could just get lost. But then if you have enough kids, you're increasing the chances that it will get passed on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so what, what usually happens is you have situations where asexual organisms can dominate in environments where things don't change too much. Yeah, that's So true. if you have, I, I don't know, I can't think of an exact example, but just think of a very plain habitat. <laughs> it's not like blank slate. I want to say desert, but there's lots of things happen in the de- desert too. Let's just say desert as an example, right? Okay. Let's say a desert where there's not many other organisms, not much going on. There's sun, there's sand, and that's it. Okay. Um, if you're some, you know, if you're just some cactus or something, I don't even know if cacti are sexual. No, completely I'm going pretty off. sure they have flowers. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they are sexual. Okay, let's say you're some other <laughs> I plant. think bacteria is a safe bet. Okay, bacteria. Let's just go with bacteria. Bacteria tend to be asexual. You're a desert bacteria, okay? <laughs> um, and, you know, so there's not much change. In, so it makes sense to be asexual because if you're alive and you're able to do things fine... Yeah. then you're going to want your offspring to be exactly the same as you. Because if yeah. you're having no trouble, your offspring will have no trouble. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. But then, what if it suddenly starts raining? Or what if something else starts happening? You come across some organism you didn't before and you didn't know how to fight it. Um, then suddenly you're going to wish that you had a, you know, a bit more variety in your life. Because yeah. uh, once this predator that comes along figures out how to eat you, it's going to be able to eat all your kids, all your clones. Yeah, that's Essentially, true. you're going to be wiped out. Yeah. Um, and all your genes are going to be wiped out. So that's not good. So in an environment where things are more likely to change, you have organisms are more likely to be sexual. So then you have, you know, the likes of your XX and XY or some other equivalent, like in birds, it was Z and... Z-I-Z-W. Z-W. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why, you know, sexual has an advantage when the environment changes. And especially, you know, in the world we live in today, that's why I think a lot of things are sexual. But of course, then we think of bacteria as an example that's really successful, but it's not. But part of the reason that is, is um, because bacteria have, compared to a lot of organisms, slightly higher mutation rates. And because they, they, uh, they, they reproduce, really quickly, they reproduce well. really quickly. So every time you reproduce, that's another thing that's worth mentioning. Every time you reproduce, there's like a chance that there's going to be a mutation because the yeah. process of like genes coming together, meiosis and, all, and just yeah. reproduction in general, copying genes... Every time you do that, there's a chance of a mutation. Yeah, that's kind of like why you get triple X and stuff like that. There's yeah. a problem. Something goes wrong during the cell division. And instead of, let's say, if you're a female, usually you're XX. And so your eggs will have one X and the other egg will have the other X. But if it gets divided wrong, then you might end up with two X's in one egg and no X's in the other. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So if you think about that, like then if you have something, you know, positive you know, you, you want that carried on. And the reason bacteria can, you know, adapt to things so quickly, um, even though they're asexual, is because, yeah, they have so many clones of themselves. Like, yeah. some of them, within several minutes, can multiply. Yeah. You know, so if you have, like, you've just been born, and two or three minutes later, you're making another one of yourself, that's very fast growth. Mm-hmm. And if every time you make a copy of yourself, that copy is a tiny bit different... That's why you have problems like antibiotic resistance and all those yeah. things because they just adapt so quickly to, to new scenarios. So it's not that asexual organisms can't adapt. It's just that unless they can reproduce really quickly, they can't. 
So it works well for bacteria because they're tiny. And let's say you put them on food. That's where you would imagine a lot of bacteria yeah. growing. They have so much food compared to their size. Like if you put some yeah. bacteria on top of your muffin or something. Like, I don't know why I just said muffin. <laughs> I, I just thought of random food. Um, then they're going to multiply like crazy. And they're going to be able to produce loads of themselves. Whereas if you think of a bigger organism like us... If we were asexual... I'm like, sitting on imagine, top of a muffin. I'm sitting on top of a muffin. I'm just <laughs> eating a muffin. Like, think of the size that muffin would need to be for us to not only feed ourselves, but feed ourselves enough to reproduce within two minutes. <laughs> that's that's going to be a lot of food. So that's why it doesn't really happen on a bigger scale. and only really happens with, with the small things. Um, and I was also reading this idea that um, part of the reason that sexual reproduction is... Uh, or sexual organisms are more common than asexual... Um, like another reason is because of parasites. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the reason this would be is because parasites are usually quite small compared to their hosts. So if you yeah. think of like a parasitic worm or a tick, lovely things to think about, <laughs> I know. Um, they're usually much smaller than the hosts. They sort of like hide, they do some damage, they get to live um, because they just like pick away at your insides or whatever they do. Lovely. Yeah, lovely stuff. Um, so... If, so let's say I was an asexual being. Yes. And there's a parasite inside me. Okay. If that parasite knows how to get inside me and, and eat away at my insides, yeah. then every child I have is going to be a clone of me and it's going to have the exact same parasite problem. So essentially the parasites are going to rule the world. Yes. Because they're going to be able to take me over every time and my species is just going to be a slave to the parasites. Yes. Um, but because we have sexual reproduction... Even if I am infected by parasites, uh, this is not a thing I like to think about. But let's say I am, um, and I have kids. My kids have a good chance that, uh, you know, the person that I made it with, let's say, um, has different immune genes to me, and they know, their, their immune system knows how to fight these parasites. Yeah. So then the parasites don't take over your species anymore. So it might actually be, because parasites are such powerful, you know, forces sometimes, that they can actually drive evolution towards producing something sexual so that you can adapt around it. Because parasites are also so small, like the bacteria, they can usually produce much quicker than big organisms like us. So they also have that advantage of being able to adapt quickly. So unless we can respond with something, if we can't respond with any adaptation, like an asexual creature, which takes a long time to adapt, because it only has tiny mutations at a time, then we're not going to have much of a chance against parasites. But if we can just reproduce with something that's quite different to us, but still the same organism... Um, and then, yeah, species. Sorry, still the same species. <laughs> well, organism, I suppose, same thing. It yeah, matter. it's the yeah. same thing. Um, right. The same species. Then you could have a child that's a bit of both and that actually knows how to how to fight the parasites. So I just thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can also get organisms. I'm pretty sure that can be sexual or asexual. Oh um, yes, depending on like even the time of year. Yeah. So I can't remember what it was. It was some sort of like little insect, but uh, it was something <laughs> Very that specific. like. Yeah, very specific. A little insect. Look that up. Um, <laughs> it's essentially that it, in the winter time, when things got a bit rough, you know, where it's like they have to start competing with each other for food, you know, resources are scarce, they become um, sexual because mm-hmm. what they have to do is they hope that their, their children can do better than them. Yeah. So they're just sort of swapping genes around by mating with others and sort of, you know, creating these new combinations that they hope will be better than them. Whereas in the summer, if you're alive in the summer, you know, you've got loads of food, everything's fine. So you know your genes are good. You're surviving. Yeah. So, you're gonna, so then they actually become asexual in the summer and they make clones of themselves because mm-hmm. they know that that's fine. But then those clones later on in the winter will have to 
become sexual. So it's it's this cycle of like yeah. sexual and asexual, but within the same species. So yeah, that, that's that that's quite pretty. cool that they've found this balance to be like, even though we're not just going to choose one of those, we're going to be yeah. the best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. But also, just so people know, when we're saying, you know, you're doing good and like, you know, when you're choosing to be sexual or you're choosing to be asexual, you're not actually choosing. No. It's like... We sort of, I don't know, that language is used a lot when you're talking it about is. evolution it's used, and it's forces used a lot. and stuff. As if the species is making a conscious decision, yeah. like, I am going to do this. But. And I think that, obviously, we know that that's, because we've studied it, I suppose, yeah. for so long, we know that that's not actually what they mean. Um, but just people might not know. I feel like people don't know. Because when I started out, I thought that was mad. Because I hear natural selection and I'm like, yeah, so they're choosing. This gene is the best gene. So they're yeah, going like, to choose if I try it. really hard, I'm going to get wings. Yeah, but like actually that's not how it works at all. It's just that like if oh. your gene is crappy, you're going to die and it's not going to be passed on. So that's yeah. that's how it's being chosen. I'm going to sleep tonight. Now. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's being chosen. I mean, if you have crappy genes, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for your kids. <laughs> but yeah. Just that, just because, yeah, that's just something that I kind of didn't re- know before. And then... Yeah, it's like a really long process where essentially, if you've got good genes, there's a good chance they're going to be carried on for a longer and longer period of time. Yeah. If you have bad genes, you might not just die from them, but the chances are somewhere down the line, one of your ancestors is going to be like, damn, I can't do this. This gene's bad and they're going to die. You know what I mean? Not that they're going to think that, but you know what I mean. They're not going to be able to survive in a certain situation and then that gene's going to get knocked out. I'm explaining this so badly. Yeah, I'm, but hopefully I'm a little get... bit lost. I, 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 I used to study genetics. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, so coming, coming back to gen- genetics, you know, very, very big swerve into sex-linked diseases. Mm. Um, so obviously some sexes are... Well, not obviously, but it, it happens that some sexes are... I suppose more predisposed to be at risk of certain genetic diseases and we call diseases that are associated with sex chromosomes sex-linked diseases Mm. and a lot of the time um or if not all the time uh these are on the x chromosomes and so it's probably um, makes sense since they're so much bigger. Yeah, they're so uh, much bigger. There's not much room for so, error on the Y chromosome. It's so tiny. Yeah, so the big ones people know, I think, are like color blindness and hemophilia, things like that. And mm. so, I don't know if briefly dominant and recessive diseases. It, I don't know if <laughs> we should go into that, but just ah, uh, briefly. Yeah, briefly yeah. is that if you have a dominant gene, that is the one that is going to produce the protein that gets expressed. It's the one that's expressed. Yeah. And if it's a recessive one, um, that's only expressed if there's two recessive ones. For example, yeah. on, on if you have two X's with two dominant genes, both dominant genes are expressed. If you have two X's with one dominant on one of the X's, one recessive on one of the X's, it's still the dominant one that's expressed. Yeah. And the recessive is only expressed when you have a recessive on the X and a recessive on the X. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sense? Yeah, so recessive is only if you have Two both of copies of it. Yeah, if you exactly. got really unlucky that both your parents were like, here's the recession. Yeah. And so a lot of the time, if because the X is so big, and like I said, the Y has lost a lot of genes, the Y doesn't even code for a protein that would be the same, like that would be dominant or recessive. So when you get an X chromosome, it doesn't matter whether it's dominant or recessive because that's the one that's expressed. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. there's nothing on the Y to kind of compete with it. Yes. If you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, so, so if you like, yeah, so if you have a disease that's caused by X chromosomes, mm-hmm. and you get 
and you're a male yeah you and you get the disease version yeah yeah, yeah. Then, then you're gonna suffer from it because you have no other x to back you up and be like exactly i'm gonna save you here you're you're stuck with the one x yeah exactly yeah. and so yeah so things like hemophilia and like i said color blindness although color blindness is a little bit different because it, it's more complicated than that so <laughs> i won't talk about it because it's it's you have lots of different types of color blindness there's a red green blue and they're located on different chromosomes they're not all on the x i think it's um green and red that are on the x and blue is on a different chromosome that i don't remember um but yeah that's just why males would be when you hear about males being more prone to these sort of mm. you know diseases or yeah that that's why yeah but yeah that's kind of yeah, and then it's weird that uh, only recently now, obviously I have to at some point relate things to vaccines and immunology <laughs> because that's what I love talking about. Even before it was cool. Now everyone wants to talk about vaccines. That's true. Like, oh, COVID-19, oh, vaccines. Like, where were you a few years ago, you know, where I was talking about vaccines and no one was listening to <laughs> And everyone to was me. like, can you please shut up, Gillian? Yeah, <laughs> now, now suddenly everyone wants to talk about vaccines. So it does actually relate to this topic in a way. I recently read a review paper that was about sex differences in vaccine responses. Yeah. And it turns out that actually men and women sometimes respond quite differently uh, to vaccines. Really? Yeah. No so um, it looks like in now it's something that's still a very early area okay. of research. Yeah. So a lot of what they're doing is like, you know, this, the sample sizes maybe aren't as big as they want. So these are all yeah, quite preliminary. Yeah. So what I'm saying could be disproven at some point, but it looks like there's data hinting towards and the that's fact that's kind of exciting yeah Even it's if exciting it's hinting it means towards it's an, it. yeah yeah it's an area of investigation that's cool essentially it looks like uh some vaccines have non-specific effects so okay. um the famous example is bcg because suddenly you start hearing this thing in the news or at least in science news i don't know if it made headlines yeah. in normal news but uh they were thinking about giving the bcg vaccine to What's people that for again uh tb oh yeah okay yeah uh, so the BCG vaccine, which is the vaccine against TB, um, is broadly effective at helping you fight other things as well. Okay. It looks like it's just whatever whatever way it's made essentially means that your immune system learns a lot from it and mm -hmm. learns not only how to fight TB a bit better, but actually some other diseases, some other like bacteria and fungi actually, okay. um, which is cool. Um, and then they were thinking... Well, could this actually translate to something like COVID nineteen? Could you give people BCG as just like a immune booster to just be like, yeah. "Hey, immune system, like, wake <laughs> up, start recognizing this stuff, um, and hope it starts helping you fight against COVID?" Because uh, they have shown for other diseases, like I said, some bacteria and fungi, that BCG is actually good at helping you recognize those things. Okay. Um, but not specifically recognize them. So there's two parts of your immune system. There's innate and adaptive. Adaptive essentially recognizes things specifically. So if you have a vaccine against COVID-19, your immune system is going to know what COVID-19 looks like. It's going to be able to kill it. Mm -hmm. um, but if your innate immune system is the only one that can recognize it, that means it knows, okay, I know that's something bad. I'm going to try my best to kill it. The innate immune system isn't as specific, so it's going to roughly yeah. do its best, but it might not be as good as completely wiping something out okay. as the adaptive. Yeah. So this BCG would give you an innate response, which would be broadly good at helping you get over most of the virus, even if it doesn't completely eliminate it. Mm -hmm. um, but laying this back to the sex differences, I swear there is a connection <laughs> here. It looks like these non-specific effects are usually more pronounced in women. Okay. So let's say for BCG even, it looks like it might be the case that women get this training a lot better, that their immune cells go, okay, 
uh, I, I, I'm better at learning how to fight broader things, not just TB from this. Whereas men's don't get that effect to the same extent. We feel different. What uh, yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's not all positive. There are vaccines that have negative non-specific effects. No. Yeah. So there are ones that, um, let's say, I can't remember what the vaccines are for. Let's say virus A, because I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Um, so you have a vaccine against virus A. Virus A is ravaging your community. You get a vaccine then you can't get vaccine, uh, sorry, virus A anymore. You're immune to it. That's okay. great. Yeah. But the problem is this vaccine sometimes actually trains your immune system the wrong way. So now you're more prone to some other diseases. So it'll protect me against virus A, yes. but I will be more prone to something else. That's yeah, bad. exactly. Yeah, okay. so, something else which is bad. But so it looks like in the future, we're going to have to, if these things become more clear, weigh up in a certain community if we know that a vaccine gives a you know, bad uh, innate effect mm-hmm. or essentially trains your immune system poorly, is it worth giving you that vaccine? Is that disease bad enough that's worth giving your immune system like, bad training towards yeah. other diseases? But thankfully, a lot of this doesn't need to be thought about too much because it looks like most of the time uh, the innate effects, the general training, is actually whatever the last vaccine you got was. So the last vaccine you got is going to be the one that determines what your immune system roughly knows. So so for most of us, the last vaccines we got, because a lot of vaccines we get, especially like in the West, um, are ones that actually have good nonspecific effects. So the most recent vaccine you got is one that generally taught you how to fight like bacteria and viruses and stuff, as well as specifically, uh, if you know what I mean. So even if you got one earlier in your life, that was like, that trained you badly. That was like, okay, okay, you're good at fighting this one thing, but now you don't know how to fight all these other things. Yeah. If you a few years later got one that taught you how to fight random things better, okay. then that's the effect that's more pronounced. It's the most recent vaccine. Okay. So now they're wondering, you know, in some countries, do they need to start giving out vaccines for something that's not even that big a problem, just so they can override that negative effect and give them that net positive again? Okay, yeah. So yeah. I can get my vaccine for virus A that makes me more prone to the other crappy stuff. Yeah. But then I can get a new vaccine afterwards. That just generally trains you to... Yeah, Maybe. and you'll still remember how to tackle virus A, but then you'll also have better tackling other And I won't remember. Things. Again, this is the terminology. Your immune system I will, will remember. remember. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even that they'll remember. Yeah, I suppose they will remember. I in a way, they remember, the right yeah. 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 I suppose the language of memory is used a lot in uh, the immune system because, uh, I don't know, it just like makes sense. It does, it does, it does it explain it things nicely. It makes it way easier, I think, to, to understand. Yeah, compare stuff to stuff that we know. Yeah. like explain stuff and like since we're talking about terminology this is very very unrelated but i just think Go people on. should know it i didn't make it up obviously i just heard it somewhere and i was like yes this makes so much sense hypothesis guys hypothesis and theory not the same thing and we use theory like in just everyday yeah like language as i think just we use the word theory it just sounds in the, good in the sense yeah but we're trying to say hypothesis but we yeah. just say theory like, like we're relating it back to the name of the show this is great for the first episode yeah. this is like setting up the future Listen, i didn't set this or anything guys i actually didn't but <laughs> no what is it what is it called what's the word theory when people it's not mad theories when they like the world is flat sorry flat earthers <laughs> sorry flat earthers. no i'm not sorry no flat no earthers. take it back i take it back ignore <laughs> flat earthers conspiracy theory is what i was thinking of oh yes yeah you're like Whereas, guessing something but yeah. you're calling it a theory but in science a theory yeah. is something i'm pretty sure now yeah, I no, it wrong. It's, it's something that's proven yeah it's something that has a lot of evidence behind it yeah like you're 
theory is real, guys. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. A theory is something that's real. So yeah. conspiracy. Or at least it's good at explaining something. Yes. That that's a theory is something that we have a lot of evidence. It explains something. We might not know for sure, and um, but all evidence points to the fact that this is the explanation. So, for example, Big Bang theory was called a Big Bang theory because. Everything we know about the universe could be explained mm -hmm. by the Big Bang Theory. That now might be going against my conspiracy theory, because usually on conspiracy theories, they have lots of evidence to back them up. Conspiracy theories? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. I, I don't well, think they, so. Well, I don't think I've heard of a conspiracy theory with a lot well, of evidence. Okay, well, like, if a conspiracy flat theory... Flat Earthers, definitely. Listen, <laughs> they don't have a lot guys, of evidence. Guys, watch the documentary on Netflix. <laughs> You'll be converted. <laughs> oh, God. But what I'm saying is that a hypothesis... It's a hypothesis, because... Now, you have to explain what that is now. You can't just say that's a hypothesis. Just because people are listening to a show called Hypothesis doesn't mean they actually know what a hypothesis is. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I actually know what it is either. So, from what <laughs> No, I can, can I make I, yeah. a guess and then yeah. you can correct me. Okay, yeah, okay. go for it. So I'm going to say that a hypothesis is an, a scientific, it doesn't need to be scientific, but I'm going to say it's scientific, a scientific idea that would explain something that you are observing um, yeah, I guess it, it could be. I think the most basic term that I've heard used to describe it is just a research question. That's essentially what a hypothesis is. Which it's is like, exactly what I just said. Yeah, except in, in, in fewer <laughs> words. Um, yeah, so essentially a hypothesis would be like, you know, oh, I can't even think of an example. Uh, an apple fell, gravity exists. Yeah, your hypothesis is that, oh, there's something... Yeah, so it's a hypothesis falling. and gravity doesn't actually become a theory until you prove that you, pr you get some more evidence behind it yeah evidence. you're not just thinking of yeah. a random idea like huh i'm looking outside and things look kind of flat out there that's not enough evidence for a theory guys that's they have no sorry they actually have i'm just saying they have a little bit of evidence I've, which does you can actually put evidence against them though yeah like, that's the can, thing you can also be very selective with evidence yeah yeah and if you're too selective with evidence in science then you can completely get the wrong idea yeah uh, very easily like if you're only looking at one aspect of a problem and completely ignoring everything else you can come up with a very different yeah. solution it's a great approach to life guys i would i would definitely recommend just just ignoring all the stuff that makes it difficult and just like that's fine uh yeah <laughs> that's, that's definitely not the message you try to send that's not what science is yeah, science sorry, is about sorry. tackling the difficult questions we went so 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 very off topic yeah. We were supposed to be talking about sexes and differences between them. I mean, the vaccines thing wasn't that off topic. I mean, they're was... still talking about... There are sex differences in vaccines. That's all I was saying. Okay. Just, yeah. And you know what? It, and it's cool because like in the future, we might even have a case where we might have different vaccines for different groups. So, for example, even now with the COVID-19 vaccine, it's like the vaccines in trials look like they're working well, which is great. But they're mostly being tested in healthy people between the ages of like 20 and 30 and 40-ish. Yeah. Because they usually just, for safety, test them in those groups because they're yeah. the least likely to get reactions. So that might be fine to an extent. But what if the vaccine isn't good at stimulating an old person's immune system? Because yeah. an old person's immune system is quite different yeah. to a young person's. So it might be the first case where we have a vaccine approved that isn't perfect in everyone. Mm -hmm. So we might get a vaccine that's like, this works really well and pe people under... 60 or 70 yeah. and then they're gonna to have to keep working hard on the vaccine for the elderly because that's going to be obviously a vulnerable group and we don't just want a vaccine for yeah. everyone else and just lead them um, 
And then, but I think in the future, as medicine becomes more personalized, yeah. that's a whole other conversation that yeah, can be had. Yeah, no, it really is becoming personalized. Even like gene therapies and stuff, like yeah. you can make a gene therapy that is specific to that person. Yeah. Like literally using their genes to make the therapy for them. Obviously, it's really expensive and takes a lot of time and stuff. And yeah, I think we're like, I'm pretty sure we're a long way off. But there are some gene therapies, but they wouldn't be as specific. But yeah. yeah, sorry, like we said, this is not, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, but, but the whole vaccine thing, like you could even have, uh, in terms of the sex differences, a male vaccine and a female vaccine. Mm -hmm. Because when they do these studies with these hormone knockout mice or whatever, yeah. they might see some differences that go, oh, so if we put this mm -hmm. in a male vaccine, that would work really well for men. Yeah. But it would actually not work well in women. So you'd have maybe a different vaccine yeah. for different sexes. And this might be a tiny bit, I don't know, I see now this is me speculating but no, the hpv vaccine that was only given i think to like to, to women to originally yeah, yeah to females but now, but now, now it's, it's been expanded yeah, yeah to males as well yeah so i think even if they thought it was female specific i suppose I, I think the problem was that most of the time hpv yeah, when it causes cancer yeah, yeah, causes like, cancer yeah, in yeah. women it yeah. wasn't that it wasn't doing it in men it's just that it was doing it to a much less extent mm -hmm. i think that was more of a case with the government being like look, we don't want to throw a load of money at vaccinating yeah. everyone. Yeah. So because it mostly affects women, let's just vaccinate the yeah. girls. Uh, now, thankfully, they've expanded it in a lot of countries, including yeah. Ireland, to be like, we're going to vaccinate oh. men as well. Yeah. Um, because that makes sense as well, because in the long term, you, sh you should save money. Because if you get a high enough vaccination rate where you wipe out the virus, mm -hmm. then you're not even going to need to keep investing in the vaccine as long yeah. as it's gone. And I but you need high vaccine uptake to do that. And there was a time where a lot of people weren't taking HPV, Thankfully, it's gone up a bit since then. Yeah. People have copped on a bit, I think, since that public information campaign by, uh, I can't remember her name, was it Lorna something? Um, where, you know, she went on the Late Late Show and all this stuff and talked yeah. about how she had HPV that led to cancer and she was dying. And how could you not vaccinate your kid against something that would have saved her life? Yeah. And that was very good because I think, even now with COVID-19, I think people are viewing medicine and vaccines in a better light because it used to be, that sort of stuff doesn't affect me. When is a global pandemic going to happen again? Yeah. Never. You know, we're in a modern, clean world. Everything's yeah. fine. And now we're realizing, no, we were just lucky for a while. There's yeah. no pandemic happened to happen. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if we put more money into vaccine <laughs> research, cough, cough. Um, and we also start actually taking these vaccines, we can actually wipe these things out completely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even start vaccinating animals. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, um, that is a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing, and that's definitely something I want to talk about in a future episode. Maybe. Um, oh, do, uh, if we don't get <laughs> don't some sort of any fake promises now. <laughs> if we don't get some sort of more vaccine-specific episode, I'm going to be annoyed. I'll just but, sit here and I'll listen to you talk. And it's like, mm -hmm, yeah, okay, sounds good. <laughs> but like, like for example, if we vaccinated like bats and pangolins and all those things against coronavirus, yeah, like SARS-CoV-2. Oh, I mean, that that like, paper. There's a paper now. I don't know anything. I. <laughs> I saw the graphical abstract, guys. <laughs> but I mean, I say I read the paper bat, if I read it's the abstract. It's a bat, like, licking another bat, but, like, by licking it, I it, it gets that. vaccinated. Yeah, I sent you that. Yeah. So I was like, you're going to want to. I didn't want to expose myself. <laughs> yeah, I just copied because kids. Yeah, that was something. That, that was but, something I wanted to talk about. Maybe in a future episode. Yeah, Essentially, it's like maybe we yeah. will. Maybe. Yeah, let's I not expand on that now. No. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little teaser for you. <laughs> in the future, you might learn about how vaccines can actually thing, spread. Whoa. The thing that like I just remember there because you were talking about because we were talking about HPV and like you know the virus causing cancer. Yeah. I the first time. Like, obviously you hear things and, like, you're like, yeah, I know that. But, like, when it proper dawned at me that cancer, 
that that cancer was caused by a virus because obviously I study genetics and so for me cancer is caused by like a problem in you know the cell division cycle or something yeah, like that yeah. where you get too many cells uh, growing and dividing or too many or not enough cells dying when they should yeah. like for me it's pretty genetic -y kind of disease but then when I was when it proper dawned on me that like a virus can cause it too I was like what but I just thought yeah, that I should I suppose, mention that because there's yeah. just there's stuff there's stuff that we that I know and it's not until it dawns on me later like that I proper understand like how significant it is you know it's just yeah and I, I think it's with viruses as well just even the fact that they like part of how they work is they integrate usually into yeah, our genetic yeah, so data it so that's how it, yes yeah. I know now how so, it works yeah yeah but <laughs> just for the people at home you know yeah yeah like, so they can integrate into your, up, yeah. your DNA and like yeah mess up orders of genes and stuff it can make a gene turn on that shouldn't turn on so that you you get more cell division um or like i said not enough cells dying and that's how you will get a tumor to grow i suppose yeah um but again unrelated to yeah. the topic yeah but you know what? just going on tangents but, you know, but I, I, think wrong with tangents. I, I think that works i think that works i like to think they're interesting tangents i hope yeah. people listening thought they're interesting tangents Please let us know. Um, yeah uh yeah do let us know um now i guess that's sort of going to be the end of the tangents because i think we only have like a minute left so yeah uh, i think we're gonna sort Start. of wrap wrap up here yeah so, thanks for listening if anyone yeah. listened um thank you for hope listening. you enjoyed it it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's fun. Um, we will be back next Monday. Yeah. And every other Monday of November. Yes. Um, and then at eight o'clock. At eight o'clock. Yes. Sharp. Maybe. Maybe one minute past. Depends. Maybe. Yeah. It depends how we're feeling. Yeah. Uh, mostly sharp, we'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's gonna be us. Eight p.m. Mondays. Make sure you're there. Yeah. And uh, then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. You know, if if you guys tell us you like this, maybe after November we'll see what happens. Who knows? No promises. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Thanks for thanks listening, for guys. Listening, everyone. Yeah, we're gonna log off now. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> see you next week, guys. Bye.